Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vierman. We're here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, it's a very special episode. This is what we are calling the Blink Once Extravaganza because our friend, our producer, uh, our colleague, Max Kerman, you have a new record out. You and Arkells, you've done it. You released it yesterday. Congrats to you. Congrats to Manager Ash. You guys, like no one else, launch an album uh, and it's spectacular. So congrats. How you feeling? It's been out for a day. Yeah, feeling pretty good. Uh, man, doing anything in COVID is just about impossible. So we had this listening event yesterday at this sort of indoor space. It was an art space. And even just like the logistics for like hosting 50 people and, you know, setting up a tiny PA, like something that normally would be a very low degree of difficulty takes about, you know, 17 more phone calls per thing mm-hmm. than pre-COVID. So uh, I'm happy that we did it. Um, you know, we're shooting a music video tonight. You know, we're just trying to, we're just trying to stay busy. That's you know, when you work for yourself, you gotta just sort of make up jobs for yourself every day. But anyway, very happy uh, <laughs> that it's out and we can get on to the next thing. But yeah, I kind of wanted to um have you guys ask me any questions about the making of the album and make this episode all about me. If you had of, of course, yeah. Okay, good. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't prepare anything else. I, I mean, we can talk about any other pop culture stuff. Uh, Shane, did anything come across your your phone in the last week that you're like, oh, that'd be a fun thing to talk about, like a new story. I know J.R. Diggs has been texting about Norm a lot. He said he was going to listen to the episode and and because he doesn't <laughs> think Norm's funny or something. Like, what the fuck is that about? No, no. J.R. loves Norm. So J.R.'s oh. issue is he thinks that before he listened, he goes, oh, I bet everyone went on and acted like they love Norm, even though a year ago they didn't know anything mm. about Norm. So he thinks it was going to be a lot of posturing. I'm like... No, listen to the episode. Max didn't even realize that Dirty Work was his favorite childhood movie. He wasn't yeah. pretending at all. It's and true. I was like, Mike, Mike didn't have Norm on his Mount Rushmore. So he's like, fine, I'll give it a, I'll give it a chance. And he listened to it and he called me. I just got off the phone with him and he was very happy with the episode. <laughs> oh, because <good. laughs> he had texted me yesterday, like before he listened, like two hours ago saying that. He wasn't impressed with us. Did you guys get any other feedback on our comedy of Mount Rushmore uh, selections? Yes, there, there was feedback. Um, recent feedback just today I read. And this is an oversight on us that we didn't include women on it. Yeah, I saw that. I felt a little stupid about that. It, it was a good note because I saw that note as well. And I, I was going to actually because it's a good discussion. And I wanted to talk about it uh, in the comments. Uh, but I thought what better way to discuss it than maybe on the podcast if we get uh, the opportunity. So, so it was a comment uh, by Julie, who we know who's been to, to live shows. And um, she wrote, uh, no ladies on your Mount Rush. Oh, Shane, you responded. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say, okay, this is news to <laughs> me. All right. That's funny. I like how it's like, you know, uh, we can't really have productive conversations in the comments. Everybody knows that trying to have a debate does just doesn't work on Instagram. But Shane just hopped right in there. <laughs> no, I thought, it was a, this. I, th- I thought it was a good I comment. I wasn't arguing. No, I'm, I'm going to read this in real time because I haven't read Shane's comments. So first I'll, I'll, I'll read Julie's, which was, No ladies on your Mount Rushmore's Amy Schumer, Sarah Silverman, Lucille Ball, Eliza Schlesinger, uh, um, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, so many uh, female greats. Great comment. I'd actually thought about that as I was cutting the episode. I was like, oh, we didn't mention any women. Shane responds. Again, I'm reading this for the first time. Lucille Ball, Tina Fey, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, maybe Jim Carrey are on my Mount Rushmore for outstanding comedic performers' minds. For the list that we recorded on the podcast about effortlessly funny people, Kristen Wiig or Wanda Sykes should have been there for sure. Okay, me a couple from Shane. In print. He wrote it. Stamped it. Uh, I was going to write... Um, 
uh, Kristen Wiig is on my all-time SNL Mount Rushmore, and I've had that conversation Mm, with Pops like Mm -hmm. like last year about our our SNL Mount Rushmore, and Kristen was on there. And so then I was wondering, why didn't I name Kristen Wiig when I was talking about our all-time Mount Rushmore comedians? And I started to think, why, why didn't it pop to mind? And the only answer I have, or I could think of, was... I think it might be because, and this maybe speaks to the evolution of comedy and opportunities for women, is we all named people that were sort of like um, 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 right there in our developmental years, people we grew up with. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, Lucille Ball is very historic and Wanda Sykes has been around since the 90s. But a lot of those other people, like even Sarah Silverman's show came later. You know, we would we'd already kind of like in our formative, like young sort of years people like Kristen Wiig didn't get feature films. You'd only see Steve Martin or Jim Carrey or Robin Williams. Only men were getting those opportunities. So maybe what was happening is when we were thinking about our Mount Rushmore, we're going on like a 35 year journey and women have only really sort of been featured, featured in the last like 15 years. And so maybe that's why for us, they didn't immediately come to mind. What do you guys think of that? Do you guys think that's just a a shitty excuse and that we were only thinking of men? Or do you think that that might explain why they didn't immediately jump to mind? No, I, th- I think that's a good theory. And I think that's the same with music, movie, a- anything. It's what you were listening to in those developmental years. And there wasn't a lot of women out there of high notoriety. And there should have been. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of the the big stars from SNL in particular in the 70s and 80s, early 90s. So like Gilda Radner, she's sort of a beloved figure she died early i think she went to my dad knew her in university or something um yeah she, gilda and, wasn't around when i was young though. no she, she yeah she was pre us yeah but it's like when it when we think of like um like stand-ups from like the 90s which is like like ellen DeGeneres, like like whoopi goldberg actually whoopi goldberg was a very mm. huge comedian she did I all of this eddie of, yeah eddie was amazing that was a great movie oh the movie eddie childhood. yes yeah, exactly. yeah i love that movie that's <laughs> a right in my wheelhouse for like a nine-year-old yeah. max or whatever yeah, yeah, she she becomes the owner of the New York Knicks and she like turns things around. <laughs> it's great. She did like she did these comic reliefs with Robin Williams and Billy Crystal that were like yeah. massive. She hosted the Oscars. So she she was a comic superstar. She was nominated, you know, nominated for, for an Oscar, Oscar. too. Yeah. She, she won I, it. Oh, really? Oh, yes, because she was high apparently when she gave her speech. Yes. <laughs> See, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an EGOT. She's an EGOT. She's one of them all. She's one of the rare like uh, Oscar, Emmy, Grammy, and Tony. But okay, Kristen Wiig, though, fucking oh. hilarious. I like Liza Schlesinger. I've seen her live a few times. I think she's really funny. Shane and I were saying, if you go back and listen to maybe two years ago, uh, JFL episode, we, we saw Amy Schumer live. And she was just working shit out. She sort of rolled up with like a Mm -hmm. book. She'd like flown in for the gig and she kind of had her book on, on the stool and she was awesome. Like that, that set killed. And we talk about that on the pod. Remember that one, Shaney? Yeah. I remember her set and I just thought it was very cool how close we got to sit. And I remember how much I loved segments in her show. Yeah. Like Mm. that one bit where she recreates 12 angry men. It's yeah. it's amazing. Oh, on it's show. one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and so well done. Hundred. I remember me and you in the office watching that, it going around like that when that clip became available on whatever Comedy Central, or whatever she did the show on. Yeah, the one special where she's in the leather outfit, I didn't really enjoy that that much. But the one after, I thought was much better. Yeah, it's, but it's she's she's though. not on my Mount Rushmore, but definitely I would put Wig and Wanda Sykes for effortlessly funny. Mm-hmm. In that category, because you cannot not laugh at Kristen Wiig when she's in an interview. I can't 
just everything she says has some comedic value to it. <laughs> She's amazing. Oh, and also um, Carrie, uh, Fred Armisen. Actually, Fred Armisen might be in my my uh, Rushmore, and. Because everything, everything he does is funny. But Carrie, uh, whatever her last name, Brownstein, she's um, very funny. Portlandia? Too. Yeah, Portlandia. Right. Uh, but I love getting feedback. I got a note from my friend Eric, who is actually like director of analytics with the Colorado a- Avalanche. And he sent me a text after the podcast and was like, hey, like this, have you seen this Norm clip? So I always, it's always very fun for me when people that you don't expect are listening to the pod are listening to the pod. Yeah, totally. Um, very cool. Thanks for listening, by the way. Thanks to everybody for listening. And and actually, I'm glad that this got brought up because I thought we were we were going to be right into the Blink Once stuff, but instead we got to address mm-hmm. uh, last episode. And also, too, I find in the the last Shane Surprise segment, they're always rushed because, like, we always talk about Max has one foot out the door. So even though I run the segment, sometimes I don't have it fully thought out. I like to work it out on air, and I didn't get Mm. that chance. And I kind of pulled Rodney out of my ass. And if I had Mm. really thought of it, I'm fairly confident either Wanda or Kristen would have made it. Ah, there we go. This is how you know that we didn't fully, like, we weren't able to fully go through it on the pod because Shane and I have, like, a 20-message chain after the pod was recorded trying to break down... He's like, you didn't have Norm. And I'm like, well, I kind of panicked. And I was like, I went with Jim Carrey, but maybe I would have went with Robin Williams. And then I was like, he's like, yeah, I'm not feeling Jim. And I'm like, but Jim was just so formative to me. And I've never laughed harder than I was in the theater for me, myself, and Irene when I was like a teenager. And so I'm like, does that sway? And so we end up working it out in this like text message where you, you spend an hour and a half going back and forth on this thing. And that's how, you know, we didn't fully flesh it out in the actual pod. Well, I agree with Jim on the performer standpoint or comedic mind, but just when it comes to effortlessly funny, which is kind of a weird criteria to, to put out there, I just thought that he he wouldn't fit that mold necessarily. And some people came at me in my DMs just saying Steve Martin should definitely be on the list. He is effortlessly funny, which I disagree with. But yeah, I understand everyone's argument. You and I were just kind of going over the criteria and if certain people fit within it mm. absolutely yeah. hey, well sp- speaking of uh, being sensitive to shane's feelings um yesterday at the um, blink once day one listening experience uh there was a number of podcast fans there uh and one of the questions i was asked uh for the group was was shane jealous that his voice wasn't included <laughs> on blink once <laughs> <laughs> no, I just listened to the album, though, and to them, I would say, I would guess, and tell me if I'm wrong, that either No Regrets or Truce is about me. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? I think you're correct. That's yes, probably, now that go. I think about it, if, if, if I go sort of behind what I was originally thinking about, it's just you. That's yeah, you. the impetus. Yeah, yeah, you're the impetus of the song. But yeah, um, maybe we could talk about the, the album a little bit. Um, we And let's start with Arm and Arm because um, Mike and his brother Greg graciously gave us a thumbs up to use an excerpt of the pod when we were talking about, about Roy Veerman um, because the song Arm and Arm was very much inspired by by Roy and sort of sort of just like also like the painful logistics of having to like work through, uh, you know, the, the celebration of life and all everything you have to go through when, when somebody passes. Um, and we've never really done an interlude before on any record. And on this record, there's a few of them. And um, yeah. And so it was very, I was really happy that we could include your sort of recollections of, of Roy in, in that moment in time. Mike, did, did you like how the interlude turned out? Did, did the musical landscape kind of hit in the right way? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I so a few months ago for our listeners, Max texted Greg and I like, uh, I don't know if it was an unmixed version or what, what it was, but it was kind of like, you're like, hey guys, like, this is what we're thinking, you know, very respectful. Like, are you, would you, would you be open to it? How do you feel about it? Like, call me up if we want to do a talk or whatever. And so I listened to it and I was very interested in what my brother's thoughts were too. Cause we're, we're both, we're both on there, like sort of talking. It was from the pod that we recorded right after my dad passed away called remembering Roy Veerman. But, uh, I, I was immediately like, it's kind of shocking at first you go, Oh, and then it's like very like sweet. You're like, Oh, this is like, this is really nice. And it will be sort of this beautiful thing to have her voices on the record. And then I was like, the person who would have loved this the most is my dad. Like the mm. fact that my my dad's being sort of talked about on this Arkell's record and there's a song that's inspired by him. Like that's the part that got me mm. sort of like emotional. And I sort of, Dan was in the room and I'm like, Hey, like I'm like, Max, they're thinking of doing this. And she's like, wow. And then uh, you, you got my, me- whatever I wrote back to you was like, you know, it's beautiful, man, whatever you want, you know, go for it. And then Greg had a similar sentiment. And then even then though, cause it was months and I know things change with records and sequencing and all that stuff. I didn't know if it would make it until oh, yeah. I, you, you know, you sent me the record and I was like, oh, I made it. And I think it fits and I think it's great. And so many, like so many listeners have reached out and said nice things. They've DM'd me on, on Instagram. And, oh, good. And okay. That's, that that's really nice. Yeah, no, totally. And then Shane and I were doing, we had a thing for work yesterday. So we were doing like a, a read through on scripts. And uh, the first thing Shane said is like, hey, I just, guys, I'm looking at some messages. Are you on the new Arkell's record? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I had no idea. I read it in a DM, a Mike Much DM. They said the that interlude really got me. Mike's voice. It, it talks about what a uh, just hearing his voice reminds me of what a great soul Mike is. It's something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. So I'm like, did Mike insert an interlude or something into our Norm episode that was very beautiful or something? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm going through. I don't hear. I'm like, what? What could he have done? So I, I messaged you, and then you didn't respond. But when I saw you. I had already figured it out because I did some sleuthing. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it was the message. And yeah. went through the album and and heard. And yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. I want to circle back here. Mm. Are are the are there two songs about Shane? Is that true or was that a joke? Because I want to get into that. Uh, <laughs> well, listen <laughs> to these quite. songs. These songs are very emotional songs. So I tried to th- pick the two funniest songs that I oh. think would be least <laughs> likely to be about me. Well, because here's what I'll say. One of the things that all of our friends know, and I, maybe even fans of the band, Max is, um, I think one of Max's extreme strengths as a songwriter, and this is very sort of Bruce Springsteen-ish, and I think Dan Hamilton pointed this out to me like a decade ago, is that Max is like, uh, he's very good at storytelling other people's stories. Like he sort of pulls stuff from his life or he'll he'll see something over there and be like, that situation's interesting or unique. And then it ends up in a song. And then you go, oh, okay, that's from that thing or that night or whatever that is so when you said that Shane I was like it completely seemed plausible that he wrote some song about you in some capacity uh but yeah Max would you say that that is I mean and this record I feel like we don't have to get super deep on the record but like this feels like one of your most personal records to me um do you did you write a lot from your first person perspective or were you still pulling observational stuff from other people's lives uh, there's there's some first person stuff for sure, but I'd say probably the most emotionally sort of like heartfelt tunes are not first person. So strong uh, is, is about the experience uh, Barbara Tatham and her family went through as as Barbara was going through cancer and her, and her ultimate passing. Liberation is sort of like um, 
it's kind of, I was thinking about Barbara um, um, going on like one of these, you know, when people know they're going to die, they, they're like, I'm fucking, I'm just going to travel a lot and I'm just going to like try to find moments of peace, like, you know, away with my loved one. And she did that. She went to, I think, Mexico and she went to Europe. In this case, uh, I was, I, I set the scene in California because I wanted to give her a little wink and like drove to Santa Barbara. So like, that's oh, just like, nice. yeah. And, and that's sort of like a wink to Barbara there as well. Um, and for Arm and Arm, you know, we were working on that song. We, we co-wrote it with um, Ryan and Tom, our producers. And I was thinking about everything you and your brother had to go through because, you know, and one of the things that you really sort of illuminated in, in that podcast, we talked about it. And, and that's why I want to use that particular part for the interlude is that not only is it fucking hard enough to lose, you know, a parent, which is most one of the most impossible situations anybody can go through, um, is the logistics of fucking, you know, the funeral and all the fucking annoying shit, like administrative work. Like I, no one likes to do any administrative work and to have to deal with that at the same time. So like in the second verse is, um, and we, we, and we worked on the lyrics and edited them and workshopped it, but it's like, um, uh, the idea of, I like to think about the idea of like going back to your old room or to like, a, you know, your parents' mm. house where you, so like falling asleep in my old room, uh, sending back a thousand thank yous. Cause that's probably fucking annoying too, right? Like, just sitting in bed going, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's like the silver linings just look gray because no silver linings right now. I don't want to feel this way. But I'm not going to lie. I'm glad we're both here. And I was just thinking about you and your brother being like, fuck, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that we're doing this together. Um, and uh, the other – and I was thinking about just the idea – I think some of my favorite photos of, of you and Roy and your brother are like at the pub hanging out. Like <laughs> yeah. when he pr proudly has his arms around you. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the references – and this is kind of like out of nowhere. But there's this – when we were working on the beginnings of the song, I think Tom pulled up this ad – and it's an amazing ad uh, that I don't know if ever ever aired in Canada, but it's basically these British soccer hooligans, and there's there's probably about twenty five of them, and they're staring directly at the camera. They're in the pub. They're all these like you know classic British looking guys, and in a completely acapella way, they're singing um, uh, "Truly Madly Deeply" by Savage Garden. Oh yeah, yeah, and Savage Garden. Have you, do, you, do, you have, do you know this ad that I'm talking about? I've, I've never seen, seen it, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to show it to you guys right now. Um, and and basically, the ad is sponsored by Puma, which is a soccer shoe and you know athletic company. But the end of the ad goes, uh, even though it's match day, please be sure to tell your special person that you love them because it's also Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, okay, so this is uh, – uh, here it is. It goes for two minutes, and then at the end of it, on a, a, so awesome. it's like, 
So, so they, they clear out of the bar and it says, it's match day. It's Valentine's day. Let your better half know how you feel. <laughs> so anyway, we were thinking about like, what is this sort of like kind of sing along that would take place in a bar? And even though the, the final production and arrangements of that song obviously feels modern and, and not that at all. Um, Stand up, tell the ones you love, you love them. Right now, this is where I need to be. When they play our song, we'll be singing along. Arm in arm with me. Like that play our song in my mind is always yeah. a super working class British accent. When they play our song, we'll be singing along. <laughs> I always hear that part in the song. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's where, that's where the, that, chorus part comes from but anyway so just thinking about it so yeah you're right i think mike like just trying to pull together a bunch of like little moments and uh, and ideas um uh and, and like what's the setting and that 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 gets you off to the races and then after that you know the band can can dig in and we can make it whatever else it wants to be but the, the starting point of it yeah usually comes from a bunch of little ideas when you're asked about this album and people say, oh, this is one of your most personal albums. Do you always deflect in that way or do you ever get into the songs that are actually about you? Oh, good question. That's a great question. Yeah, I, I do have a harder time, I think, talking about the stuff that is like very directly um, about me. And I think I do that because I don't want to own it forever because so much of songwriting is 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 a combination of something that's truthful within you but also number 1 it's just a moment in time so like you know it's it's not like how i feel this particular way forever it was just like oh this was the 4 hour window where i where i started the song that's number 2 and number 3 a lot of times it's like you're you're punching shit up all the time so it's like you had a lyric with an idea and then somebody goes, oh, well, why don't you say it like, like, you know, somebody in the band or the producer goes, well, why, why don't you say it like this? And then the lyric changes and doesn't mean something else that also that I think sounds better. Like it's maybe it's better to sing along. So it's not like it's directly from my personal diary or something. Do you know what I mean? So, so that, sometimes that, the truth gets lost in favor of melody or just better sounding lyrics. Exactly. Exactly. Um and so that's why I'm always a little reticent to be like, this is me and how I feel uh, because it's not necessarily how I feel today. I'm happy. I mean, I just experienced the feeling in that particular moment in time. So I think that's why I, I do deflect. But good observation, Shane. <laughs> well, because I, I found myself analyzing the lyrics to your song. I listened to the album today all the way through and it just had me thinking, I never talked to Max about personal stuff. Mm. And, <laughs> and a big part of that is because of COVID. That you and I are oh, sitting sure. at a pub often where you might reveal some of this. So I was using the songs to get to the core of the real. No, Max. it's a good. I mean, I mean, that is true. I mean, I feel like that's the case with with a lot of my friends who I normally have a chance to see at a party because my favorite thing. And I you know Mike feels the same way. It's just like hanging out in a small group. You know, I'd say like, you know, four people maximum at a pub anytime it gets over four it's harder to really dig in and also it includes like who the, these characters are but if you can get in a group less than four and you're like you know on your second beer and it's people that you're really comfortable around and also people that are also unafraid to be vulnerable uh, around each other you know i think that's you know one of your two greatest strengths is that like you can really 
not be afraid to say your uh, more intimate details about your life or your thoughts or your feelings about or what you're going through. Um, yeah, and when, and when you don't have that in real life, it's it's harder. I know you're the odd person you can talk to on the phone about, but it's, there's no substitute for for real life stuff. But yeah. Um, uh, and I wanted to ask about these listening parties because one of the yeah. most awkward moments in my life is when Greg <laughs> Veerman came over to my house. I was living with my mom at the time still. And he said, you have to listen to this album. And it was an album he made with Mike Veerman. And he popped it in and he just stared at me while I'm listening to this album <laughs> that he made. It was a racket album. The album was great, but I couldn't concentrate. And I was just focused on how to be reacting in a positive manner that I didn't even know if I liked the album album just because it was such a terrible listening experience what is the expectation for you and how do you feel like are you uncomfortable when you're watching journalists or other people listen to your album for the first time are they supposed to dance tap their foot be completely silent where do they look yeah, I, I just stare at them and i don't even blink i'm just staring at them with, with a big smile on my face huh huh right yeah like yeah. are they allowed to mingle while it's going on or are you like guys no. shut the fuck up and listen <laughs> Yeah, oh, that would really piss me off. No, no, I mean, um, I think probably one of my uh, other strengths, if I have, if so, uh, I have about two strengths. One is starting a song, and two is putting on some kind of production. And we thought about this. It's like, okay, the record is about 38 minutes runtime. What we'll do is we'll start the record, we'll in do some sort of introductory remarks. But then immediately I'm like, this only works if people are asking questions. So we're going to be playing the record. We're going to be commenting on stuff that we're listening to that's in the background. But it's the, the music's going to be at probably about 20%. And, and your questions and, and our conversation will be taking up the rest of the space. So we had a lot of really good questions. And, we, and when people were afraid to put up their hands, we could talk about the inspiration for each song, like who we were, who we were trying to like rip off musically in each song. So... Yeah, because I'm with you, Shane. Like, I'm very, very conscious of, like, trying to make sure that everybody is feeling at ease. There's nothing awkward. Because I remember the early days of going to see bands and playing ourselves. The thing that would drive me crazy, and it still does to this day, is um, awkward silence between songs. That's the sneaky secret to an Arkell show. There's not that. We don't do it. Like, it, we, we have transitions that are thoughtful between every single song. Um, and that I think improves the experience by like 30% that like that thing in itself really makes a huge difference. Do you find when you're playing a live show that there's a song that is a bathroom break song and you're like, Oh <laughs> fuck, they're all, this is the bathroom break song. No, is, is there that, or is it pretty, no, even? no skips, no skips, man. Uh, that, that that's, okay. that's why we're, we're the best live band in the country. No skips. <laughs> I agree. No skips. All killer, no filler. Yeah. So, um, but we, uh, yeah, we had a great time with the thing. And then we played a couple songs acoustically um, and it was fun. But uh, I'm just trying to think about like, um, Shane, did any, any songs uh, pop out to you that you're like, oh, I wonder what that one's about or uh, anything uh, you want to get yeah, deeper on? The Liberation one, but it didn't seem like you had a, a real answer what that was about. Well, unless I missed it. What oh, was the Liberation? Liberation is, is just about being liberated from sickness. That's what it's about. So oh, it's about oh, okay, kind yeah. of... Yeah, it's 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 about kind of going on one of your final trips, um, and uh, before you right, pass. that's the one about where the cancer and the cancer's a tough fighter and doesn't fight fair. That's that's that one, right? Um, I just well, listened to the album for the first time, so like, <laughs> it's hard. I don't have it mapped out perfectly. I love the album, but well, strong and liberation are both sort of about that. 
And okay. I don't know which one you're referring to. But which one is the cancer that. line about cancer not fighting fair? Which one's that? Oh, the liberation. That's the one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I was right. Yeah. Okay. You were fighting that cancer, but it doesn't fight clean. You said, take me dancing. Yeah, that one. Yes. Nice. Good song. Um, Truce, though, um, that's, that's a song that I think people would probably assume is about like a boyfriend, girlfriend, partner relationship. I would have. Um, yeah, but it was actually kind of inspired. I, was, I um, know somebody who hasn't spoken to their mother in like 12 years. Oh, um, wow. And I always think like that, that story is always interesting. Like what a depressing thought when somebody, when two people, uh, you know, who clearly love each other and there's like, you know, they're connected by blood, can't get over uh, a grudge and, and how those things can last for years and years. That, so trying to make sense of that, that that's what that song's about. When you're, uh, when you're like, you know, you put a record like this together and some of these tracks, this happens with every record, like you can get it has been out for a long time, um, years in the making when you, and then you have all these other amazing songs. Like, I mean, all roads ended up being a single, which to me for my, my money, like all roads is like my vibe song of the summer. I, mm. I love all roads. That just, it's just an awesome vibe song. Dig the message too. Um, when you get to this point in a record, and I think this happens with all bands, you guys have been working on this for like a year. So it's like you, you, you've lived these songs, they're in, they're out, and now you sort of birth this sort of creative expression uh, with the record release. And you're already talking about like on to the next thing. For everybody that listens to you guys, this is like the birth of something. But for you guys, this is like almost like the end of a journey, weirdly, the release. It's like the record's done. That's very true. It feels, uh, this happens often, I feel like when we put out a new song or an album is you kind of get depressed by it because so much of your life is like hinged on the, like the possibilities of, you know, and all the ideas you have surrounding the album and knowing that it's like your little secret. And then when you put it out, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's that. Okay. <laughs> you know I mean? And of course it will take a life of on its own. We'll tour it. We'll play the songs live. We'll create new memories for it. But it is, it's a weird, like the next day there was a bit of a hangover for sure that that feels that feels a little funny which only makes me go fuck okay what's the next thing okay how can i keep myself busy and not get depressed um but uh hey i did um this thing speaking of norm we uh we did a nick nick dyke and i did a news hit yesterday for cp24 oh yeah i want to hear about this um and it was you know pretty classic like zoom news hit where you know they're sort of asking pretty standard questions about you know touring coming back and the new album and i was just the whole time thinking i was like what would norm do in this situation right so basically at the, the pre-interview before we went live <laughs> uh, this producer pam was like can you guys get like sit closer together like you guys need to get tighter but we were literally like shoulder to shoulder and and then she was like get your junos like in the shot and she like kind of made us hold our junos and i was like should i put my arm around him she's like yeah yeah, that looks really good so then like halfway through the interview i was just like can I ask a question? Like, what's the deal with producer Pam? Like, she kept on trying to art direct us and like touch each other. Like, what's going on with producer Pam? <laughs> and then so you said that the, on air. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And the, and, and the host, the host had a good laugh about it. And then they asked, um, like, do you have any questions? Do you have do you have anything to say for people that are yeah, aren't vaccinated yet? I was like, yeah, I got lots of things to say. Like, how much time do we have? Like, as long as you want. I'm like, as long as I want. Oh, where do I begin? Okay, this is awesome. and then basically we talked for the next like five minutes. Nick and I just started rambling about like we made a little TikTok of it. Basically, like, hey, listen, if you're not vaccinated, I get it. It's a scary time. I'd be. I'm. Everyone's a little nervous right now, but 
you have nothing to be afraid of. We've been vaccinated since we were little babies. And all I want to do is just go into the crowd and start a conga line and throw glitter on you and uh, <laughs> drink your beer. These are important things to me. And listen, like, and, and we, I was like, I wish I had your confidence, though. If you're an unvaccinated person because you did your own research, I wish I was as confident as you. And we kind of went on and on and on. Um, <laughs> and then at the end, the, the host... Um, saying goodbye and then uh she had kind of cool curly hair and i was like hey great curls and then she kind of gave me this little like look she's like takes one to no one and then i winked at her <laughs> wow <laughs> I, I like the idea that like the wink might become your signature thing on this press tour since the album's called blink once like that's how you sign oh, off that's a on good every- idea i didn't think of that yeah. fuck yeah so and people okay. are like this- does Max have a Twitch? No, 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 no. It's part of the album. It's, uh, it's part of the album promo. Yeah. That's why I'm always blinking during, during yeah. the interview. <laughs> We're That's winking at people. <laughs> why is it called Blink Once? No, it's sort of this idea that like things can change in a moment. You know, your life can change in a moment. So then I think... In the uh, blink of an eye, Shane. In the blink uh, of an yeah, eye. No. That's right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, shit, that's, a, that's the expression I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think that is like the new... Um, I mean, I've always thought this is like whenever we're doing any press, especially if it's like on television, it's like, how do I break from the format? Because everybody's naturally uptight. Like everybody has a natural like uptight. I'm on TV energy. And if you can break away from that, it's such an effective tool for getting people to relax. And it's actually more captivating if you're the audience. Shane, would you say you subscribe to that? Like, do you have any memorable interviews or things that you've done? to sort of break out of that mold? Yeah, it's to be a character and to be someone. The worst version of myself is when I'm me. The best version of myself <laughs> is is when I'm being someone much better because then I'm not embarrassed because I'm acting like a confident person or a more awkward person than myself and I'm less embarrassed to embrace it. So it's like the digital dessert version of myself, I would say, is the more yeah. awkward version of myself, but owning it in a way. That's more confident. Yeah, character. Yeah, that's very good. It's like if you ever watch Robert De Niro in an interview, he's not good because he's being himself. But he could be incredible if he wanted to embody someone else. That that is a very good. That's a very good point. Yeah, actually, good point. A lot of actors, when they actually have to speak for themselves, are not particularly coherent or eloquent. Do you know that? You notice that? Yeah, this is like a tale as old as time that actors might be some of the most uninteresting people that you'll meet. And I feel bad if we have a lot of actors uh, listening to this podcast, but one of their strengths is almost embodying other people and maybe they don't know who they even are. Mm. Guys, I'm watching um, Succession. Speaking of great actors, the mm. acting on that show, because uh, I'm kind of rewatching some of it in preparation. Do you watch, uh, Shane, do you watch Succession? Yes. It is the best show on television, like by mm-hmm. far, so right? So good, yeah. Max, this just gets back to how Max never remembers anything from this podcast. But literally like two years ago, we did a best of year end and we told everyone it was the best show on TV and how no, they have to watch that. Succession. What are you researching? Do you have a guest shot on this next season? Why I wish. No, it? I just sort of threw it on because I want to get ready for the next season because it's coming oh, out in October, right? Um, yeah, the acting on that and the writing on that is so funny. Anyway, I don't know if there's anything else we want to talk about with Blink once. Uh, I think, I don't know. Do you have any more questions or can yeah, we get yeah. to Shane's surprise? B- basic question here. Um, what is your favorite song on the album? And <laughs> controversial question, least favorite. Many wouldn't answer that, Max, but I know you're a different type of authentic guy. So I expect an answer. <laughs> um, 
Well, I said this yesterday at, at the talk. Um, your favorite song is sort of like the one you are working on at the moment. And I know it's a diplomatic answer, but like when you're in a song and you're excited about its potential, you, it's all you can think about. It's an amazing feeling just to be wrapped up in a song. And so I'd say the last song we did was Swing, Swing, Swing. And that to me is probably my favorite song because I'm like, oh, this doesn't really sound like us. And to me, that's sort of exciting. Why do you make that face, Shane? Well, it was just such the classic answer. I was going to say, let's get that out of the way and let's get the real answer. But <laughs> And then I was distracted by this, that the song's called Swing, 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 because in my mind, I always call it Swing, Swing. Is it only called Swing, Swing, Swing because there is another song called Swing, Swing? Yeah, by All American Rejects. No, it's yeah. Swing, Swing, Swing. Okay. I kind of forgot that song even existed. I probably, in the back of my mind, was thinking about it, but not intentionally. Um, it was always Swing, 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 the, the kind of the trio of uh, uh, in the wordplay, but um, least favorite song. Oh, I, I, I can't answer that. They're, I like them all. I'm trying to think. All right. I got a, I got a bit to the favorite song question. This one incorporates how well do you know your band uh, members? I'm going to name their names and you're going to tell me what you think their favorite song is on the record. Great question. Okay. Okay. So what is Nick Dyka's favorite song on the record? Uh, Nick is uh, such a team player so he'd probably say the thing that he's not playing on the most like he'd be like yeah swing 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 I think that one's really interesting I'm like Nick you're not even really playing the real bass on that one he's like yeah that's why I love it <laughs> or something like that <laughs> um, I'll say Tony probably likes uh, Strong or One Thing I Know because there's some sort of awesome piano arrangements that he wrote um, I say I think Tim and Mike would both maybe go with all roads because uh, Mike started that one and Tim's drum groove is pretty cool on it. So I think that's what we do. I was hanging in a backyard with Mike back in the back in like pre summer or something, and I was telling him how I thought all roads was like a bang. I just loved the groove, which got him excited. And then we ended up sitting like we, like we in the backyard together, and he's showing me his phone. He's like, "Okay, so this is how the demo started." And he's got like the guitar groove with yeah, like yeah, yeah. the little drum machine on it. And we're sort of, and, and so I'm kind of getting like a song exploder live with Mike D on all roads, <laughs> which got me more jacked for it. And then that night when I rode home on my bike drunk, I just literally cranked the the single in my ears as I'm like just like cruising down the street in downtown Hamilton. It's pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, let's get to the Shane surprise. Though. I feel like we've talked about me enough. That's, You're that's, being that's humble, or do you just gotta no, go? Somewhere. I just no, I don't gotta do go. Do you have to go? go? Are you embarrassed? To no, admit I don't. You have to I, go? I, no, listen, we have an hour, and it's. I want a, a solid okay. sixteen minutes for a Shane surprise. I have, I have one last question then. Okay, yeah, I let's do another album question. Come on, Max, we're promoting your damn album here. Let's I do this. It. We got the platform. This is your sixth studio album, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Order them. What What do you think is is best to least? Okay, I think this is uh, the best one. I say last place is Jackson Square because that's our oldest one. It wow. feels like there's mm-hmm. n- yeah. Um, I'd say ooh, hmm. I'd say like High Noon might be number two, and then Morning Report Rally Cry number three. Four. But I'm making this up. I, I love love yeah. them all. But but I'd say like the earlier stuff. I'm like less impressed with. Mm-hmm. I guess. And the, the reason I ask is because this is going to come into play in the Shane surprise. It wasn't okay. just the gotcha question. Okay. And, and, and right before we get to Shane surprise, I'm just, 
she would never want me to do this, but I'm going to ask because our listeners are very familiar with with manager Ash, and mm. uh, I want them to know the immense role she plays in something like an album rollout and everything that you guys do, the stuff that you're always scheming on. You guys always have big plans. Our Kells are always doing something. When it comes to something like this, you guys birth this album, your baby is out. How much of a role uh, does Ash play in all of this when it comes Great to Great question. I mean, yeah, I, that's, uh, thank you for addressing that because it's very important. Is that, yeah, Ash, you know, has heard like every single iteration of every song, like right from the beginning and even like early, early, early ideas um, when I'm just like sort of, you know, there's some funny little TikToks we've made of me just like walking around singing into a phone or like having a vo- like um, a FaceTime call with the producer. And that's just like Ash <laughs> filming me because we're on a walk and then I have an idea and, and I like call the producer. Um, and Ash, uh, I think one of her greatest strengths is she's a, a very detailed person when it comes to so much of the, like the logistics of uh running an operation but she's also a great sort of like big picture thinker when it comes to songs so she just has good instincts when it comes to like oh that's a great idea and she doesn't really interfere when it comes to like the guitar should sound different or the i wish the snare sounded like it was from the 80s she doesn't fuck with that stuff but in a very big picture broad kind of way she's able to give like really helpful helpful feedback so yeah. And also like not, not only for me, but like as Mike D was going through the album design, she was helping guide him there. Basically like any question any of us have, she provides like a path for us. So yeah. And then that, that's not even including like the thing we pulled off yesterday at the uh, art exhibit, the listening uh, party or the tour or the Bud stage shows or any of that stuff. So yeah, she has such a like unique skill set that is very, very perfect for us. So huge shout out and thank you to Ash, who is listening to this right now. Best in the business, yeah. easily. Um, Shaney, it seems Max wants to give you a nice, long Shane surprise. Let's okay, I don't know like. how long this is going to be, but I have a hot take. Mm. I want you to hear me <laughs> out on this. I'm going to list some names right now. Ooh. I think Mike might be better at this than you, Max. But who knows? I, I know, I know you're, uh, you could be good at this also. But I'm going to list some names and you see if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. This is hardcore. Music for the oh. masses. Hold on a second. Physical graffiti. The head on the door. Echoes Wait, are we supposed to be interrupting you? Well, yeah. if you can tell what I'm okay. doing, right. then... Echoes, silence, patience, and grace. These are album titles, right? Well, you're close. You're hot. L.A. Woman. Okay, that's The Doors. Opposites. Icky Thump. Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. That's it, yeah. (laughs) That's Arctic Monkeys. Good one, yes. And Icky Thump, wasn't that that the White Stripes? Was. Don't Believe the Truth. Who's Don't Believe the Truth? Oh my God. Uh, don't believe the truth. Oh shit. Fuck. I can't believe it. I'm blanking on it. Oasis. Thir- 13. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, uh, Taylor Swift. No. no. That is Blur. Republic in green. I don't know what that is. What do all these have in common, do you think? Um, the, well, they're music albums, right? Are they, yes. are they, the, are they the sixth album? <laughs> they are. Okay, so here's my hot take. I've gone through all the songs on all these albums, and I've listened to... I got this off a music list that said Mm -hmm. the best sixth album 
in mm. history. And it went through. These are the top 16 best sixth wow. albums. And honestly, I've listened to your album. I think after uh, one I didn't say was Rubber Soul. Oh, that's my maybe my that's favorite like, Beatles record. So exactly. So here's album. my take: you have the second best sixth <laughs> album in history after the Beatles' Rubber Soul. How does that feel? Does Does "Don't Believe the Truth" by Oasis have? Do you know what I mean? Is that the single on that one? Let me Let me look at the one they're using as the big song off it. Uh, Lila. Oh come on! That's not a good song. Come okay. on! Like, <laughs> I, 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 all of these aren't that great. The Doors love her madly. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Foo Fighters, The Pretender. Do you know that song? Ah, uh, that is a good song. Is it? <laughs> it is. That's not that catchy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so I like Shane's assertion that Max Arkells may have the second greatest sixth album in musical history. Can After we use Robert that as a soul. pull quote? Can we use and that I'm as a serious. Quote I know for, this for is breath? like, oh, Shane's so outrageous and shocking for comedy's sake. But no, I believe it because all of these albums aren't that great. Hey, it's not because Blink Once is that great. It's because all the other six albums are not that great. <laughs> it was supposed to be a compliment, Max. Yeah, I'm sorry. Say, yeah, take it the other way. Yeah, so modest. Uh, six albums, now that we say it out loud, is quite a damn accomplishment. It also makes you go, man, Rubber Soul feels like early Beatles, although we know it's mid-Beatles. For that, that was six is wild. Wow, they uh, produce so much. Oh, my God. That's but crazy. But there's so many bands that probably, like, big bands that never get two six. Like, six. Like do the Killers have a six six albums? I think they're about six, and they take their sweet time. And Brandon mm-hmm. has a couple uh, solo gotcha. records. But you're right. I mean, like, when you think about... Some of the, our favorite bands, that, like local bands, especially that we grew up listening to, like you know, the Constantines or the Weaker Thans or the Stills or whatever, any of these bands, mm-hmm. it's like not many of them got to six albums. So, yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think that is something that we can be. And when you do get of. to six, as seen on this list, you're shit. <laughs> and you're only getting better. <laughs> compliment, Max. Take it as a compliment. You're at you're the height of your game. game. Well, you know, I think you're on something that, like, we are, uh, I've always been very aware that, like, yeah, the lifespan of a band is just generally a short thing. And you, in order to sort of remain relevant and keep yourself entertained, is like, you got to change things up. So on this record, we really tried to, like, not just do the same thing that we, as we always do. Um, and I think, yeah, that's probably, if bands seem to get worse, it's because they feel like, it feels like they're not doing anything new. And uh, I think this record, we did a bunch of new stuff. But, so, but thank you, Shane. Uh, Shane, can we, do we have permission to use that as a pull quote? On Like, you know, if we have like a poster. Um, Even Second better, best Max. sixth album after Rubber Soul. So you can use my voice as an interlude <laughs> on your next album. <laughs> That's it. That's all. That is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out Blink Once out now. It's a great album. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. I imagine anyone listening to this pod has already listened to that record. Uh, but likewise, thank you for listening to this podcast uh, and enjoy the record. See you later.